Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist, which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. been trying to declutter your house and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. All right, everybody, welcome to today's episode. I've got Hunter here with me, the host of the Mindful Mama podcast, which you should totally go check out. And I'm super excited to talk to her because Hunter, a lot of what you talk about is all of the stuff that I think about when I'm like teaching moms how to declutter. I'm like declutter so that you can feel more peaceful. Fear or the thing that you say in your podcast intro actually that hooked me was feel less irritable right? (laughs) And that's what, what I aim to teach moms. But when it comes to like after decluttering, I'm not so great at teaching that stuff, but you are, I've learned a lot of really great tips from you so far. Um, so can you just give us, yeah, the one that stuck out to me that I wanted to share with everybody Mm. is the one that you shared the other day on your Instagram, 
which was greeting your kids after school. Like I have five kids and we've done the car line and now we do the bus. And I always feel like after school is like a really important time to connect, but Mm. it's like, it's overwhelming, right? To be like, you ask the same questions. How was your day? And they're like, fine. Or what'd you do at school? Nothing. And you have such a simple way of just like creating that space when you meet back up after school, which I loved. And that was just to be like, I'm so happy to see you. And it feels so easy for me. And it's so much, I can see it on their faces too. Like it's so much more inviting for them. And so those are the kinds of tips you guys, you can learn from, from Hunter. So thank you for that. But can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into teaching mindfulness? Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, author of Raising Good Humans, Mindful Mama podcast host. And we have like 334 episodes right now. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, the reason I do all this work is because I really sucked at it. <laughs> Because I was struggling so much, you know, I was just like, and it's true. Like, I felt like I was really failing as a mom. Like, you know, I had high, you go into it, you have high expectations, you know, you want to do your best. And I use this really intense baby. And then she started walking and talking and like my anger came out this like temper arose. And I was just so, you know, I was, I yelled, I could see, I scared her. And I, you know, I felt so guilty, so shameful, felt like a terrible mom. And, and I could, you know, I could see that it was like the, I could see it was like these patterns, right. I could see that it was this generational pattern. It was my father, my father's temper. Like he, when I was little and I had big upset feelings, I wasn't, you know, he got mad at those, his temper came out. So like, I, it felt in my body viscerally, like that was not okay to have these big upset feelings when she was upset. And I could see, oh, I'm just like perpetuating this pattern. You know, I could, because of the pattern, that's what I'm doing. And, and it was exactly what I didn't want to do. And I just felt like I was like, gosh, I'm like really struggling at this. Like, this is like so much harder than I thought it would be. I mean, that's pretty much a given, but I, you know, I, I had been like at that point, two years prior to Maggie being born, I'd started a regular mindfulness practice. I started, had started learning about mindfulness as a teenager. Cause you know, I'm a highly sensitive person. And anyway, I thought like, I, you know, then I was like pregnant and like meditating with the group. And I thought, oh my God, like we got this she's going to be so calm. I'm going to be so calm. Like, this is going to be amazing. And it just wasn't. And so I, that, that failure of mine, you know, that difficulty, that struggle was what really drove me to just dive back into my mindfulness, really dive into learning. I've done trainings and all kinds of things. And, um, and that's what this work really comes from is, and what I, cause you know, I learned about like the nervous system and I learned about our reactivity and all these things and things that aren't our fault. And, and so just, I, I saw that like this piece about mindfulness had to be added to the conversation because there were a lot of lovely, wonderful parenting coaches saying like, just respond this way to your child. 
And that's all well and good if you're not being triggered or you're not like stressed out. But when your stress response happens, you literally like can't access that verbal part of your brain. So the piece about calming our reactivity was huge. And I, I really wanted to bring those things together, how to calm reactivity with how to communicate more skillfully. Thanks. Thanks for explaining that. And thanks for, first of all, normalizing things like having these expectations that motherhood is going to be peaceful and magical. And we're going to be like these, these like graceful little beings, which is what I imagine myself being too. I'm super crafty and, and all of those things, which sometimes I am, but it was just not me most of the time for a <laughs> long time. Um, so yeah, it's totally normal to feel those kinds of ways. And then my next question to you is like, how would you, I have two questions, two part questions. So how would you actually define mindfulness and what that actually means? Because for me, I think the biggest confusion and difficulty that I have with like starting these kinds of things is I'm like, oh, so I have an Apple watch and it will give me a notification a few times a day. Like take a moment for my mindfulness. I'm like, but what does that mean? Like, and maybe I'm missing <laughs> the whole point. I'm like, well, what should I do? Like, do like, and then I have like all of these thoughts running through my mind. I'm like, what can I do? What should I do? How's this supposed to be? And then of course I'm like, I think that defeats the whole purpose of mindfulness, <laughs> right? So can you just give us your definition of it? Sure. I mean, mindfulness is um, the intention to bring your attention to the present moment, whether that's on your breath or your you know, your, your body or the sounds or whatever's happening, thoughts, even, um, bring your attention to the present moment with, this is very important with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. So rather than judging ourselves, we're curious, we're saying, and so it's non-judgment is curiosity, right? Like what, how can we be curious and, and kind? Um, so the way you know, the way we practice this, one of the, one of the ways we practice this, one of the sort of gold standard ways for practicing this is mindfulness meditation. And there's all different kinds of meditation too, but mindfulness meditation is about just bringing your attention to something in the present moment. Maybe it sounds, maybe it's the feeling of breathing. Maybe it's the feeling of your feet as you walk consciously. Um, in the present moment with this attitude of kindness and curiosity and what happens in reality, like, it's like, okay, that sounds great. But like, then you sit there and you're watching things and you know, what do you do? So you, you may, you may stop. You may say you could in that moment, Crystal, you could like say, okay, set a timer for 60 seconds, set a timer for three minutes. And you could just in those three minutes, just sit still, put your hands in your lap, put both feet on the ground feel your breath come in, feel your breath come out. You could maybe do a mindfulness of sounds, listen to the sounds that are arising. And then you're in like three seconds, <laughs> you're going to be distracted. You're going to have all kinds of thoughts about what to do and et cetera. And that's totally normal. That's totally normal. That's how people's brains are. It's just like the brain is a thinking machine. It's planning. It's like you know, predicting what will happen in the future so that you can survive, right? Like the whole point of the brain is survival and predicting what to keep you alive. So that's totally normal, but it's a little irritating and frustrating because you don't want to just be kind of lost in the future forever and ever and ever. So every time you notice I'm, you know, I'm thinking I'm planning or whatever, that's like, 
that's like the equivalent. You got all these weights behind you today because you're in the basement. It's the equivalent of doing like the bicep curl, right? Like that's when you do the bicep curl. You're like, oh, and you bring your attention back to the, the sounds, right? If the, you were focusing on the sounds and it, it's just, it's, you know, at first it's like really boring. <laughs> And it's like not super fun. You kind of have to reward yourself at first to, for doing this, but the benefits and it are amazing, you know, as far as clarity, uh, a clarity of mind, right? You're like, you, you're, instead of like being in wet under the waterfall of all those thoughts, you start to step, be able to step out in front of that waterfall and see them. And so you have more, you know, you have more, you gain awareness and for you know, it helps, has so, so many things like it, you know, less, so much research, like 47 different studies. Johns Hopkins did a meta study show that it, it decreases depression, decreases anxiety, increases the, our ability to sleep, all those things. But for parents, it's impulse control, our reactivity. So we all know, we know like step one is pause. Step one is pause. Like everyone says that. How do you do that? I was like, how, how do I pause? And, and this is, you have to build this muscle of non-reactivity. And that's what a mindfulness practice does for you. As you sit and your brain goes like, wait, I have to do this. And there's that email and I have to make a note and blah, 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 blah. And like all this stuff. And you don't react to it. You practice non-reactivity. And it's not about what happens during those five minutes. That doesn't matter. You just sit, you do the intention, you get lost for a while, you come back. It, it doesn't matter. You look at like what, what's going on in the rest of my life. If in the rest of my life, you're starting to see some changes, some clarity, those, that's what really matters. Does that help? Yes, this is really helpful. I, and I've been taking notes. And so the first thing that I like that you, you said, because I think for me, and I think a lot of the moms listening too, is that when I think of like meditation, I think of, honestly, my, my, my idea of it used to be that it's the opposite of what you're saying. Like meditation needs to be the time where I like go into my mind and I'm like, you know, being quiet in my mind and stuff. And what you're saying is like, do, do the opposite, go external, like focus on what's actually happening in, in your body. Like, where are you now? And yeah, it's about I, embodiment. Yeah, sure. I've been doing um, breath work for a little over a year now, daily, and a lot of it is about that. And I will say that it it changes everything. I think a lot of times we don't even realize, especially as parents, because we get so touched out, right? Especially with teeny tiny babies and toddlers, um, and they're always like on us. <laughs> How disconnected we really can become from like actually being present with our bodies and our moments, and like. The, the sights and the sounds and the smells and, and the touches because yeah. we do get so overwhelmed, especially with, you know, our nervous systems, like it's overstimulating sometimes yeah. to be a yeah. parent. And so we shut down. Um, so I love that. I think that that was a light bulb moment for me that I had experienced, right. Of like, wow, like it actually feels a lot better to not try and like clear my thoughts and just focus more on like, where am I and how am I feeling? And I've even, um, in the last three months, have started a journaling practice where you just pay attention to the sensations that you have in your body. Like, I, especially as parents, right, we'll have like, oh, my back hurts or like my hips hurt. And what I've realized is that there's a lot more like sensations in your body that you can really mm. tune into that direct you toward what oh, you yeah. focus on. So that was really helpful. 
Oh, good. And it really, really is not about clearing your thoughts. Like, yeah, you can get more clarity through meditation practice. That happens. It feels really great. But so I had this like aha moment when I was like, oh, it really, really isn't about clearing your mind because I was at the meditation group that I was like pregnant at. I don't think, I don't think I was pregnant then. Anyway, but the, um, a monk came to the meditation group, a Buddhist monk came to the group to sit with us because he's is like affiliated with this sangha which is a group of meditators anyway this monk came so this is a monk like his his 24-hour job day job is mindfulness right like he's practicing every single morning multiple times a day doing mindful walking all these different things so and in this in this session we did like we did sitting meditation and walking meditation and not more sitting meditation and all together we did 45 minutes right between the different sessions we did and then we talked about it and in the talking about it he shared he said oh he said you know during this time i felt like i had like a good two minutes of clarity and i was like oh like pick jaw up you know because like we had been there for doing stuff for 45 minutes and i was like oh it really really is not like this is his full-time job so it was just very freeing for me to stop judging myself. Yeah. That makes me feel a lot better too. Like if a monk is getting two minutes of clarity, like, okay, like everything's fine. Yeah. Um, okay. So I know that you work with moms too. And so my, my follow-up question to that is, do you practice? I assume you practice this in the moments that you're not overwhelmed. Right. Cause like you said, like once our kids oh, yeah. are like in those moments, we're like overstimulated, like we're, we're triggered. It's really impossible to be like, okay, you know, I've got, I've got clarity to navigate this. And it seems like not the best time to practice it. So when do you actually practice this? Like, I assume moments where you're not, where you don't really need it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You do practice. I mean, just like if you had a kid who was playing baseball, you're not going to send them straight to a big game you're going to send them to practices first so they can develop some muscle memory. Like it's the same thing for us. So yeah, we practice it when we don't need it first, but we can also practice preparing for the moments we, when we really do need it too. So I like to think of like, there's like a daily practice is really helpful or maybe five days a week practice, like just maybe five minutes a day, five days a week. Sometime during that day, we can talk, that's a whole other conversation, but anyway, yeah. Like when, when you're, when you have some, you, you take that time it sounds like another to do, but it ends up like giving you more time because you just have so much more like focus and you're able to be present and you're not, you're less distracted. Like it really gives you time, which is kind of weird. Yeah. When you're triggered, what's happening in the body is that the, the nervous system, the amygdala and the nervous system is this like, like, oh crap response, the seed of that. <laughs> and it's, it's saying like, okay, we're being threatened, you know, pull blood away from the extremities, prepare for action, pull, you know, and then it literally bypasses the logical thinking parts of the brain. So it, it, so that you can just act on autopilot. And so you literally can't access your thinking parts of the brain. So the in those moments were triggered, that has to be, you know, it's pointless to try to think of like the nice thing to say. The, the thing to do is to like have, what I teach people in mindful parenting to do is to have a menu of things, like put them on post-it notes in five different places around your house where you can 
be like, I need a minute. And you go and you look and it, it reminds you, okay, I do X, Y, and Z to bring myself back to regulation. Um, because yeah, we're not going to be able to, we're going to be crap if we can't access our whole brain, right? We're just going to be irritable and grumpy and yelling. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting too. So you put these up, you, you put these notes up for yourself, like in places. I have. Yeah. I don't need them anymore. Like you, you know, there's a limited time period where it will work. You know, the first week it's fresh, it works. And then that's when you start to practice a habit and then you, after a while, you don't see those things anymore. So you have to yeah. redo. Yeah, it, all, it all blends in. Okay. I love that because I used to be, I used to be a teacher, Montessori trained. And that was one of the things that we would do in the classroom is give them visual clues for like, you know, a, a photo of the emotion that they're feeling. And then one thing that they can do to tune into that. But, and it wasn't only for the negative emotions, right? It was like, if you're feeling sad, you know, you can cry, you can, you can breathe angry, you can breathe, but also if you're feeling joy, you can throw your hands up, you can clap your hands, right? You can jump up and down. Um, so I love that. I love that you do that that way. But my next question for you is, do you recommend actually practicing this with your kids? That seems like it would make sense to me. Um, I do and I don't. It kind of depends on the situation, right? So if you're you're brand new to mindfulness and you're trying to establish a habit on your own, don't start off with your kids. You know, I would say start off on your own, maybe with a partner or with a friend who's also doing it, you know, an accountability buddy, you can text each other and say, I did it. Yeah, you did it too. Okay, great. You know, um, and that's, that's really nice. Start on your own. It's really a two for one deal when you start on your own anyway, because you're, you're modeling for your kids, right? So when you're able to be calmer, when you're able to, you know, step back from the like brink of losing it more and able to model all these good things that that's really giving to your kids. That's the best way for them to learn that they're not great at doing what we say, really good at imitating us. Right. So, so start on your own. Once you're feeling established and you're feeling like, oh, you know, like, I don't need to like reward myself to make me do this anymore. And I'm feeling the rewards in my own life and I'm feeling the clarity and, and it feels something that I could maybe is a more solid habit in my life. Then yeah, definitely like start to you know, do with your kids too. Sure. And, and with kids, it's a, it's like a different story, obviously, you know, you might just, you know, you put a hand in your belly, hand in your heart. Let's take three deep breaths. One of the nicest way or five deep breaths, or let's listen to the sound of the rain outside just for a few minutes quietly. You know, there's different ways you can do that. Let's, let's hold this pebble in our hands and feel the stone. But um, with one of my favorite ways to practice mindfulness with a kid is to practice just a um, hugging meditation. So you just take a three breath hug. <laughs> and so you say, Hey, can we have a three breath hug? And you hold each other and you take three deep, slow breaths together. And it's just really lovely. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't think personally, I don't really think kids need meditation, you know, like they're when they're like in free play, when they're like in their zone, when they have some spaciousness to just be kids, they are so in the moment. And like, we, they are our teachers to learn from in those moments in a lot of ways. But, um, but yeah, they do need, you know, that teaching the emotion, the, the, the emotional regulation part, right? Like that's, that's very, very helpful, but I, I recommend you start with yourself first. Yeah. 
I yeah, I, I totally agree with that same page, especially for, for everything. When people are like, how do I get my kids to declutter? I'm like, well, you declutter first. <laughs> you show them. Um, but your hug idea, that makes me want to go upstairs to my toddlers right now because I know for sure they will like that. Um, but I think, and I'm, I'm not an expert in this, everybody, so listen to Hunter. But I think for me, um, it's been, I'd love to get like just some ideas, like bounce ideas off of you too, if you have any. But um, like for me, like I'll do my stuff in front of my kids, not like mm-hmm. telling them like, hey, come breathe with me. Right. Because yeah. that's like the main thing I've been doing is the breath work is like just learning how to breathe deeper and notice how it like calms me down or releases tension from like my neck and my shoulders and things like that. And so that was one of the things that I liked what you said too, about like meditation doesn't have to be sitting there and just like sitting in silence and trying to free your mind of all thoughts. It can be like a moving meditation or a breathing meditation. I never thought of a walking meditation like you had mentioned. Um, but especially when we have kids, like I think that sometimes we think we can't practice it or we don't have time to because our kids are always around us. And I really do think you can just do it with them around you and be like, I'll just tell them like mom's breathing. Right. Or if I'm doing like a guided breath work, they're watching me and they'll like sit and try and do it along too with us um, or with me. Yeah. I think you totally can do it with your kids and just do it when they're there. And I also, (laughs) Hmm no pressure for them to perform. No. Yeah. Yeah. Just let, just do, just be, do you like have your life and take care of your needs in front of your kids that shows, you know, but I also challenge us. I, I worry that if there's not five minutes in your day that you're not with your kids, like that could be unhealthy for you as a human being. You know, I think that would be unhealthy for any human being to like, not be without like a two-year-old for, for, five minutes out of, you know, not have five minutes out of the day without that child. So that I I would just also push back against that because there's a whole mommy martyr culture in the United States that says, you know, you're better if you're self-sacrificing, which is complete BS and very frustrating because it harms kids, it harms moms. And so, so yeah, do it when your kids are around, but but if you are listening to this and hearing Krista and I talk about this and you think, oh, thank God I can do it when my kids are around because I never have like five minutes away from my kids. Like that's a warning sign for you that you need to have yeah. some time for yourself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like that you brought that up too. I was thinking <laughs> like when I'm in the moment and I'm like, I really need to do this right now and they are around, I can do it. But yes, also yeah. we we deserve I don't even like to say deserve because it makes it feel like we're like earning something, but we need our own space, right? Especially for things like this so that you can practice it. And then when you're in your life and your mom life specifically, you can do it easier. So yeah, thank you for that clarity. Um, okay, so how my, my next question for you is that obviously this benefits us as individuals and the way that we connect with ourselves, right? Um, but do you mind just sharing like some ways that you specifically benefited from all of the different practices that you've done? Cause I know you've done this for a long time and I know, I feel like sometimes it can be kind of like a thing that people talk about and then you forget about it, or it feels like trendy, but you've been in it for a long time. So I would love to just hear your specific benefits or maybe some of your favorite practices. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've been practicing since I was 27 regularly and now I'm 44. So it's been a while and it's, I've definitely seen incredible changes in my life. Like the first, the most dramatic changes came at right away. So I used to be a very emotionally, like a highly, I'm a highly sensitive person. I feel things very deeply. And I used to kind of fall into this sort of like pit of despair or depression every like week or two, I would have some days, you know, and I would I remember having I had panic attacks outside of the high school where I taught stuff like that. And after the first two or three months of a regular, like 10 minute a day meditation practice, those pits I fell into went away. They went away. Like it was like 27 years of my life. I'd had this like intense shit happen to me. Sorry. I don't know if I can swear on this anyway. And now, and, yes. okay. <laughs> and then they went away and it was like this incredible, you know, I, it's not like I didn't feel anything anymore. I still had all the feelings. I just didn't spiral down. And I had this equanimity that was incredibly life-changing and allowed me to do so many more things in my life, which was amazing. And then as I got back into my meditation practice with my af post kids, I could really see the difference as far as like being less reactive. I could, I could, I could feel my nervous system calming down, you know, I was less on edge. I was less irritable. I was able to just relax into a moment more. And now at this point in my life, I, I definitely notice when I practice and when I don't, but I, I notice that, you know, I'm, I'm able to focus on things in a really very deep way. I'm able to be really present for things. I'm not, I don't, you know, I ha I get distracted, like, at, especially at night, like when I, my, my things, you know, I wear down, but you know, when I'm working, I'm just working and I'm, you know, and, and I'm able to really listen to my kids. I'm able to really be present for them. And, and I'm able to repair in a way that I wasn't able to repair more. And, and the, for the big thing for me was my communication. Cause I had some really bad old school communication habits that we all inherit from like our parents and our culture, like orders and threats and yelling. And I was able to transform that slowly over time. And I'm not perfect. I'm, you know, it's, it's okay, but I'm, I'm really able to use a lot of the communication skills I teach, which like include, you know, I messages and reflective listening and win-win problem solving and, and all those, you know, it all just makes a huge difference to be able to be really close and really have a real human to human soul to soul relationship with my kids and not a battleground, which I was, that was the path I was on. It was going to be a battleground. I, yeah, I can, I can relate to that completely. Um, and not because it's not because that's who I am, but that's just because that's what I knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. I like what you said about it. It, it allows you to feel close right? Feel close with your kids. And I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, which I think is a really great point um, that you brought up is that we need that time alone because we need to be able to connect with ourselves. If we cannot connect with ourselves, we can't connect with anybody else. And it might, for me, it felt like I was trying to connect with my kids and, you know, like on paper, I was doing the things that would make me connected with my kids, but it wasn't there. Like it just, mm. the connection wasn't there. The closeness wasn't there. 
And I agree that that's one of the biggest things that shifted for me is I actually do feel close to my kids. And for my older kids, um, you know, because we have basically two sets of kids, <laughs> they're uh, 10, 12, and 15, I've been able to do that repair work of like, and it's, it's, it's work, it's not easy. But then I have the, my two toddlers where it's just a different, like I mm. feel closer to them right off the bat, um, which probably sounds terrible, like my poor older kids, but really my relationship with my older kids is close too. It's just different because I've seen both sides of like feeling disconnected and feeling like I have to try so hard just to be close with them. And the missing piece was like being disconnected from myself first mm. and most importantly. Um, and the research bears that out. You should know, like there's attachment research, really interesting. Like everybody wants their kids to have a secure attachment, right? And the research shows that you could totally have insecure attachment. If you're wearing your baby and co-sleeping and doing all those things, it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with the things that you're doing. And you can, it, it really has to do with the primary caregiver's ability to be, to take care of your feelings to be present with yourself, like to be able to be relaxed, to have a, a relaxed and comfortable relationship with yourself. That is the thing. This is what the research bears out. That is what the thing that helps you to be present for your child. And that's what gives them a secure attachment. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it, and it's, it can be daunting if that's scary, but it doesn't have to be scary. You can do it. Yeah. yeah, that's really that's really good to hear too, because I was definitely the parent that was like doing, you know, like researching all the things and like doing all the things, thinking like, why is this so hard? Like, I don't, I still feel like something is missing, and it was definitely it was definitely that piece. So, thank you for that. And okay, one last thing is that I got your I got your freebie that is I forget exactly what it's called, but basically it's like how to yell less and a roadmap mm -hmm. to getting started with yelling less. Can you tell us just a little bit about that so that people can go get it and then about your podcast? Sure. Yeah. So it's a, a little video, the top two best mind body tools I've encountered in years and years of studying this to help you yell less, um, what, because we're just going to be realistic <laughs> and you know, you know, you're, it, you're allowed to be human. You don't have to be perfect, right? It's, it's okay. Um, and then the mindful parenting roadmap with the mindful parenting method and, and what, uh, what these steps are for you to, to get to that point where you're able to be present and express yourself honestly and effectively and solve problems based on needs and create that really close relationship. Cause that's like the most, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about everyone else, but that's like the most important thing to me in my life. I mean, that's the most worthwhile thing I think. Um, and then the mindful mama podcast is anywhere podcasts are listened to. It's a lot of, a lot of fun. We talked to a lot of people <laughs> over the years. So, and if you can't get all the episodes, you want to listen to them all, they're on, they're archived at mindfulmamamentor.com. But um, yeah, they're all there, all kinds of fun, fun people I've talked to and solo podcasts and on-air coaching calls and all kinds of things. Yes. Okay. So definitely go check out her podcast. You said you have like 300 episodes, right? Yeah. So many. Over. Go yeah. listen so much over there. And the best <laughs> thing about her her podcast and her content is that you will get long-lasting solutions, not just uh, you know, something like just don't yell at them when you're feeling upset, right? It's like getting to the root issue of why we yell, how to undo that, 
and then move forward in a better way, you'll get really good long-lasting solutions. So go check out her podcast. Um, and on Instagram, you're pretty active on Instagram. She has great reels with just like, like I said, that one tip that you said about reconnecting after school was like exactly what I needed. Like just simple to the point. So go follow her on Instagram too. I will put all of that in the description for you guys. And thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Hunter. Thank you so much, Krista. I, I really appreciate it. And I just want to say that like we talked a lot about mindfulness here, but simplifying and making your environment conducive to this peaceful home that you want. Like that's a really important part of that. Like that we have a whole module about this and mindful parenting because it's so important. And so everything that you're doing, Krista is, is incredibly important because we, our environment affects us so much. So, um, so yeah, so thank you for what you're doing. And thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I, I, I think you're a great, um, yeah, you're a great compliment to like the very narrow scope of stuff that I talk about as far as making your house easy to live in. So I hope it's helpful for you all, everybody, and we will see you on the next episode. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the Motherhood Simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.